call this meeting to order. Heavenly Father, we humbly ask you for the gifts of wisdom and courage that we may make decisions that are right and just for all citizens of Reading who entrusted us with the future of this community. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Roll call, please. Mr. Powell. Here. Mr. Browner. Here. Mr. Bishop. Here. Mr. Boehner. Here. Mrs. Kroger. Here. Mr. Tommen. Here. Mrs. Edichico. Here. All right. Seven present. Uh, we're moving on to approval minutes from January 16, 2024. Do I have a motion to approve? So moved. Second. Got a motion by Mr. Powell, second by Mr. Tommen to approve the minutes. All in favor? Aye. All opposed? It's approved. Moving on to audience asking participation. Do we have anybody in the audience? <coughs> All right, please come to the microphone and you have five minutes to speak. Abash Brock to 21 Walnut Street, Reading, Ohio. Come this evening to uh, first ask council a question. Um, can anyone tell me who the city's housing officer is? requirement in the legislation that um, provides for the creation of the community reinvestment areas and it calls for council to appoint a housing officer additionally there's a requirement for housing council to be established and I know that there was uh, kind of a rush to proceed in December with the legislation that impacted McCluskey but um, you know you've got to You've got to also follow through and make sure that you've taken care of those kinds of acts that are required to make that legislation viable and legit. So I would ask council to address that matter at its next meeting after you've all had opportunity to research it. Secondly, I come to council to um, voice my concern about a piece of legislation that I saw about about a half an hour ago I determined it was on tonight's agenda specifically the portion about uh, uh, lights at Canic Park and while it's been well known that the lights down there are in need of replacement it's been known because they've been uh, down since 2011 um, I mean any of anybody can can check on cages and see their historical aerial photography and you can see that the left center field light pole was present in 2010 and it's gone by 2011. I mention all this because it's quite apparent therefore that there's no emergency regarding the replacement of those lights since there was a, um, a call for a um, recreation study in 2019 that I believe was funded by a grant from Duke Energy that um, that process was never complete so to proceed with um, just willy-nilly heading right in on the replacement of these lights without determining whether they should be in a different position or anything else um, 
I think would be premature, and I think it warrants an opportunity for the citizens of Reading to weigh in. The matter was not placed in the Recreation Committee at all that I know of, and had it not been for my presence last week, I would not have known about it and even been able to be here tonight to speak to the matter. I had asked uh, Mr. Bronner for um, meeting minutes from his meeting last week, and I sent him an email, and I got no response on that. So, you know, the citizens of Reading deserve to be informed. And it seems to me that uh, so much of what I'm seeing here is an active um, approach of keeping people in the dark, literally. And you'll excuse the metaphor since we're talking about light the Canyon Park. But nevertheless, I would urge council to proceed only with the first reading on that matter and uh, go from there, attend to the issue about the housing officer, and let's make sure that uh, we have all our T's crossed and our I's dotted on these things moving forward. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Ashbrook. Anybody have any comments or questions for Mr. Ashbrook? We've been studying the lights at Kenny Park for years. It's been in and out of committees. It's been well known for many years. It's been part of my mayor's reports for many years and others. Uh, well documented. Uh, the need there, uh, nothing's really newly about serving our Valley Youth Organization, Reading Youth Football, Reading Youth Soccer, that all use it. Studies have been completed and gone over many times, many that you don't know about. And it seems odd to me that someone who called for a December 26 meeting five days before he leaves office that was voted out on the very issue that he calls for a December 26 meeting five days before he leaves office to remove light would sit here and, and, and criticize the lack of information and public input on, on the polls at Caney Park. I've spent the last 10 summers, you know, my sister Bonnie, Bob, you got to meet her someday. She's run the Valley Youth Organization over 30 years now. We've discussed those lights for 30 years. It's been, what's the emergency? I, I, I Pricing don't, would be my guess. Yeah, well, I, I don't see an emergency. We're going to get it done. So thank you very much. You had your time. You, you, you don't need to be talking. But again, highly hypocritical. They've been talked about in many ways to many organizations many times. So it hasn't been hidden from the community in any way, shape, or form. Any way, shape, or form. 30 years we've been talking about it. Okay. One of these days I'll give you my dad's recreation report from the 70s through the 90s. Anyway. All right. Any, anyone else? Uh, Mr. Powell. I do uh, noticed under Section 2 of the actual ordinance uh, that this expenditure not to exceed 300000 will include any engineering and design costs. So it sounds like they will be including uh, looking at the engineering, which I would assume would be placement, placement of the lights. So. Thank you, Mr. Powell. Anyone else wishing to speak? I believe it's also uh, um, there, the light that the lights that cover the uh, pickleball courts uh, will also be part of this. Okay. Uh, in the process, right. uh, which I think broadens its appeal. Okay. Um, so Mr. Rainer. And also, I think the other the other thing is with these new LED lights, they're you're able to angle them so they're not shining in the people's faces in the houses that are along the the edge of the park. Okay. So great. Thank you. 
Hey, would you like to speak? You have five minutes. Thank you. James Sheldon, uh, 2401 Carroll Drive. I actually don't have a problem with replacing <coughs> all the lights. I do have a problem with, I guess, the priority of needs and the uh, passing it with an emergency clause tonight without uh, more uh, time for input and for notice of the community. Not saying that there hasn't been input or studies or conversations over the years, but you are uh, you guys are actually acting on it now. You're going to vote for it, whether the votes are passes or not, money's going to be spent if it does pass. So I think maybe this is time where the community could have some more time uh, weighing in on, on where that money is being spent. Uh, I just preliminary and of course I'm talking out of my ass here tonight a little bit but you know we've been talking about the new running track for a long time and from what I've looked at you know in, in the past when we've talked about redoing the stadium and the football field and everything from what I've looked the cost of a running track is, is somewhere around three hundred thousand dollars now I don't know if that encompasses all the you know engineering fees and everything else that has to go in and I'm sure Mr. Ross knows a little bit more about that than I do because uh, I know he's been working on the issue uh, so I just the passing it before like if we're deciding we're going to move on it now then maybe it is time to spend an extra or maybe go to a second reading and just see if this is how the residents want to spend that type of money uh in the grand scheme of things three hundred thousand dollars we're talking about cities and municipalities and everything isn't, isn't a huge thing but here in the city of Reading, you know when you guys don't spend three hundred thousand dollars on a lump sum very often so it is kind of a big expenditure so i'm not saying that it doesn't need to happen I'm not saying that it shouldn't happen it just caution a little bit of, of pace on this one mm -hmm. all right thank you for your time mr sheldon mr powell uh, one thing mr shelton the uh the emergency clause is put in place to where if it passes it goes into effect immediately suspending the rules requiring a second and third reading so it will be a first reading tonight and then you you don't want uh, the rules suspended the emergency clause allows it once it is passed to go into effect immediately as opposed to having to wait 30 days to go into effect right okay mr chico i mean yeah all this discussion was <coughs> passing on emergency clause but when it came up for a vote i was going to ask for a discussion and i know there are some questions here um that we were hoping patrick can ask why the emergency clause isn't an issue of price if we've gotten a quote um that we need to act on or anything like that and I you know Dave's already answered the question that um, in the ordinance it does say for you know engineering and design so we're not just gonna throw some light poles out in the field for fun it's 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 gonna be done properly when it is done mr. Boehner yeah I, I want to uh, publicly thank Matt Morgan for being at the Finance Committee meeting last week <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm gonna claim ignorance here because I wasn't aware that the lights were that big at Caney Park. I don't visit there at night, but uh, uh, the way Matt explained it and the way it's going to be done made a lot of sense to me. But I agree that, that we ought to go all three readings because, quite frankly, they're not going to be going down and putting those lights up till at least the 1st of April. It's too wet. They can't drive on the field. The poles that uh, are using metal poles, the cylinders they have to put in the ground get down 15 feet. Well, they know right now if they go down more than four feet, they're going to be nothing but water. Uh, so they have to wait till that field dries up quite a bit in the whole area before they start that. So uh, I'd recommend we go all three readings. Uh, and that would give everybody time to come out and ask questions, uh, design or whatever. 
we could get more information from Mr. Morgan on the design of the lights because the lights are designed not to shine in the soccer player, baseball player's face, but it's also designed to um, not shine into people's yards or homes in the area around the park as well. Thank you. Mr. Bemis. You know something, over the many years, I think Patrick Ross, at least on two previous occasions, you know, have professionals down there that do these lights all day, every day, um, you know, giving us plans, making plans for them, giving us bids several times. And you know why it becomes an emergency to me, you know, out of all the problems in America today, out of all of them, you know, it, nothing breaks my heart worse than to read from doctors and medical associations how many children in this country are not as physically fit as they could be, nor as they should be. That's why, to me, this has been a leading conversation. Our Valley Youth Organization keeps 300, approximately 300 boys and girls, some years more than 300, busy six months a year, heavily relying upon those lives, lights. They have one fundraiser per year to keep 300 children busy, okay, six months a year. Okay, if those lights go, and the Memorial Day weekend festival, they're one fundraiser, and the majority of the money that comes from that Memorial Day festival to fund these children is from the men and women who play in softball tournaments, bring their husbands, wives, children's parents, grandparents to that park to spend a lot of money once again, VYO's all volunteer. Reading Youth Soccer's all very volunteer. Reading Youth Football's all volunteer. Hours upon hours over the years, they have used that park. And it's to the point now, softball games, quite honestly, have been dangerous down there for the last six, eight years. Nothing like being in an outfield and losing sight of a ball. You know, they hurt when they come from 40, 50 feet up in the air and wrap you upside the head. In 2001, the last time I was a Reading High School coach and part of coaching varsity baseball, those, those, those lights were horrible then. So anyway, you know, it's become a public emergency. Look up someday how many children that they claim will be physically unfit, what, what percentage of them. So anyway, the sooner we get them up, we've been talking about for years and years, the sooner we get them up, the better, and, and get our athletic organizations that teach children sportsmanship, teamwork and the fundamentals of sports and keep them in shape doing it. I can't believe there's an objection to it. Mrs. Kroger. Mr. Shelton, to go back on yours, um, we're kind of in a, a between a rock and a hard place. Every time we've started talking about the stadium, the track, everything blows up. We're wasting money. It's not worth it. Now we're talking about the lights. It's We're rushing into, into it. It's a waste of money. It's not worth it. Um, have being a part of VYO for the last 30 years with my mother, uh, I can tell you that for the probably the last 15, we have rented a, a light tower for center field just so that we can continue to have the softball tournament, which brings in 90% of the people. Um, I do think they're necessary. I do think it is money well spent, and not just for the youth organizations and not just for VYO and not just for the festival. Um, but anything that we have down there, you know what I mean? It makes the walking track safer it, with the, if, if and when the lights are on, when youth sports are down there, when there's festivals going on, when, you know, we've got the Taste of Reading now that goes until almost, what, 11 o'clock? Absolutely, Shell. At night. Um, 
but like I said, uh, between the track and the and the lights, I mean, I understand there's other needs, but we're stuck because if we go with the track, then we're neglecting something else. If we go with the lights, then we're neglecting the track. If we go in a completely different direction, then we're neglecting both of them, and now we're wasting money on something else. To somebody, to anybody out there, we're we're always going to be wasting money. It's always going to be a rush. It's always going to be. Okay, thank you, thank you, Mr. Ross. Uh, the emergency is just so I can get started, as Dave pointed out in section two. Like it's just so I don't have to wait thirty days to then start getting with people to properly get plans and whatnot together. It's you know it doesn't mean we're gonna put a pole in the ground tomorrow. It's authorizing me so I can get the process started now versus thirty or if you wait. What, what's the first meeting in March? Um, March 5th. So then that would put it at April 5th before I could actually start working on it if there's no emergency and you guys wait. I'm just pointing out the fact of the matter. I wouldn't be able to like start doing things that you guys are authorizing me to until 30 days after the passage. So on that, and then, on, I mean, I appreciate getting citizen input. But if the reason people elect council members are for that reason, and when you go on, I mean, just today it bothered me because there's a project going on in Furman, and someone posts makes a post and made it sound like the only thing that we were doing on Furman Road was putting in speed humps. Like if you read the person's post, it made it sound like you guys had a special meeting a couple weeks ago to discuss whether or not to put speed bumps in. It was totally missed that we're doing a paving project and it was discussing whether or not speed humps were going to be incorporated into that project but when you get online and people start talking and, and that's the facebook world and i and i really don't like it because people are often they don't have the facts and it's going to be the same thing you know this type of thing why this that and it just you know it, it's why people get frustrated with government in general is how slow sometimes things work and you know like I said if you don't do emergency and you you do three readings it's April 5th before I can get started on that okay. so just pointing that out and that's a good point because you know we're talking about we can't put them in now the grounds too wet it'll be too cold whatever they'll always you know winter around here is terrible we wait until April it takes a couple months to get all the information in the quotes the like, I don't even know how quickly we'd be able to get on the schedule if it's approved tonight yeah you know so, so now we're looking until what next fall winter to even put them in so then that sets it back even further because of weather mm -hmm. so that does make a good point but also going back to you know we're doing things in the dark this has been talked about i know you've mentioned it several times i know patrick's mentioned it several times it has been talked about um i definitely make an effort to get information out to people as much as possible um I, it's been talked about on facebook i've had people come up to me I've been down the park at night games where you know, people think we don't have night games. I've been at night games. Um, I've been at practices that have gone where the lights have come on. Um, I've sat down there when it was windy and watched the poles swaying in the wind, kind of worried about them because there's kids out on the field. Um, so there definitely is a need, but it's not something that we just kind of came up with out of the blue tonight. It's, it's definitely been talked about. Okay, Mr. Shell, and I'll give you a few seconds, and we need to move on. I want to make clear that I 
Shelly, what you guys said is 100%. I agree 100% everything that you said. There's definitely a need. There's definitely a reason for them. I And I don't have a problem necessarily with replacing lights. My main comment was, can we just wait till the next meeting? Can we ask for more public input? Because there are other similar projects that maybe the citizens of Reading want to spend the money over there. And to, to Mr. Ross's point, uh, no, almost every single place in this nation's government, there is a system of checks and balances. That's why we have, uh, that's why Ohio has laws to have three readings on the books. Yes, you guys are representative of us. I guess we did elect you to speak for us to an extent, but like I said, there's checks and balances everywhere, and there's a reason that those three readings are in there. All right, thank you for your time, Mr. Sheldon. Thank you. All right, we're going to move on to reading of communications. Uh, no, sir. None. Um, we have no guest speakers and we have no executive sessions scheduled. So we're going to go on to the um, administrative, administrative official reports. Mayor Bemis. Yeah, thank you, Mr. President. You know, just, just to address that issue just one more time. You know, everybody up here just finished another campaign season. Most of the people up here have been through a multitude of campaign season. And part of campaign season is putting together a platform, a reason to run. And, and when most people do that, they seek public input. What do people want? It's part of the process. You know, you, you don't get yourself elected if you're choosing everything no one wants. So again, the public input, I think you both would be stunned at, at how much has been in, how much public input has been sought and how much public input has been received. You know, for me, in our first meeting uh, in January, um, I went over some issues uh, that I saw as concerns for our city and, and uh, really addressed um, some of the state of our city and made some recommendations. And tonight, I'd like to go over those things again and maybe add a few things. You know, first and foremost for me, with each and every day, you know, it remains an incredible honor to be our mayor. You know, I was born into a city here that's done more for myself and my family than, than we could ever repay. You know, born into the greatest country in the world, born into a city that, that unbelievable what the people have done to prepare. You know, the day I was born, there were wonderful churches in, in this community, excellent schools, incredible, generous, productive businesses, excellent organizations that I and my family members and, and uh, family members before me and now my children and grandchildren have used. It's an incredible honor, you know, to be a part of this community and, and to be our mayor. You know, take it very, very serious, seriously each and every day. It's also a great honor to work with all of you here, each and every one of you. You know, the, the effort you put in, the, the, the thought you put in, the concerns you put in, the research that you all put in. You know, on behalf of the city, I want to thank each and every one of you. It's a joy to work with all of you. You know, go around the horn here. Kevin Machek's new to city government, but him and his family are anything but new to volunteering for this community and, and making this community better. Kevin and his wife and family and his dad and involved in working on making this community better for many, many years. I think Dave, I think, what is this, 30 years now as law director? Well, it's uh, 28 in uh, next month. But 20 is as fine a law director as I could ever ask for. You know, if I had a dollar for every time I've called Dave or Patrick's called to seek wonderful advice, steady advice, 
uh, good legal advice. Dave's been awesome. You know, to Dave, to Andy, to, to Mark, to Bob, to, to Shelly and, and Scott and, and to Katie, you know, the time is all put in. And, and I've seen it and I've watched it. And, and it's incredible. You're a blessing to this community. And then for me, my administrative team, um, you know, I simply couldn't ask for any more. You know, one of the things that always comes to me that, that I, I think can be grossly overlooked or allowed to go kind of in one ear and out the other is this building we're in now never closes, never. Not for a single second of a single minute of a single day. And I think sometimes, you know, the responsibility and, and, and the challenge and, and the agony that's put in to being prepared as best we can to respond to a multitude of different possibilities, a multitude of things that have actually happened. Anyway, I couldn't thank Patrick Ross and uh, our police chief, um, Brian Edens, and Fire Chief Todd Owens, and Chief Public Works, Daryl Courtney, and Parks and Recreation Director Susan Slavey. You know, unbelievable. Again, we never close. You know, we have to be ready at, at the drop of a, of a hat to respond to a heart attack, a car wreck, a robbery, uh, on and on and on it goes. Unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it's something to be responsible for it. And I'll tell you, and I, I love the people I work with. I love our departments. I love each and every one of our, our employees, dedicated, hardworking public servants, you know, here to serve our, our residents, our businesses, our schools, our organizations. Um, on down the line and we work very very hard at it and what i love is 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 we're constantly working on getting better here i love our city clerks here too you know out to serve our community you know so um recommendation number one you know is, is to continue and i'm proud of this council and councils before you guys to to get as best we can while we live within our means each of our departments the tools they need the manpower the training the equipment and you know that that's a constant thing to have uh, a priority list you know that, that that changes here and there but you know please we got to continue to do the basics do them well we provide excellent services we we get compliments uh, constantly and uh, so that's uh, recommendation number one get our departments the tools they need but number two you know when you're open all day every day and, and you're in charge of public safety. Um, you know, we protect life and property all day, every day. It's costly. It costs a lot of money. You know, I've said before, when I became mayor the two years before, I was in office, we were spending $800,000 more than we brought in in a $6.5 million general fund budget. You know, and we survived on inheritance money back then. The inheritance money's gone. But economic development was the top priority day one 20 years ago for me we've worked very very hard at it very very hard and we've come a long way you know in the last 11 years i think it's over 110 million dollars in new payroll brings us over two million dollars in new revenue each year and we need that constantly the cost of uh, employees trainings equipment gasoline salt you know have gone up tremendously we work on economic development all day, every day, and I'm proud of what we've done. You know, major de developments in the south end of our community, working with ODOT and Amberley Village and Sycamore Township and the city of Cincinnati, 
major improvements on the way. You know, the Dow Chemical plant that went out, you know, it's something that was a nightmare to me. I thought that would sit for years and years and years and years. A tier one chemical facility for, for over 60 years. You know, and Patrick Ross, Linda Fitzgerald, start lining up millions of dollars in grants. We needed to get Brad Wenstrup, our United States representative involved to get EPA, uh, you know, uh, an agency that's hard to get their attention, hard to get them to move. Uh, we need their approval to move forward. We got that accomplished. Eight, mil eight nine million dollars worth of grants. We got the Port Authority involved, which was, wasn't easy. And here we sit with new jobs on the way. Nivis in the same way, over three million dollars in grants. The old Nivis and Weisskopf property was so dilapidated. We've worked so very hard. Gotten awarded in, in the first round of Job Ready Sites grants, and, and now a company called Avisia putting top-notch, high-paying, research and development type jobs there. Benson Street's busier than ever, our Reading Bridal District. Um, you know, I want to thank our, our Chamber of Commerce for what they do. Uh, the Bridal di District's booming like none other. But our businesses grow. We work with our business roundtable. We work with our Chamber of Commerce um, on economic development all day, every day. And you know, one of the ways I found, uh, to me, one of the best ways to keep the businesses you have, encourage them to grow here and invite new businesses, is to offer excellent city services to keep your streets paved. You know, this year, six paving projects will happen in the city of Reading. I believe that will take us over 60 major paving projects in my 20 years as mayor. Businesses like nice streets. They like a safety service director where they have his business card, uh, you know, on their desk. You know, a, a safety service director that reaches out to them several times a year and goes and meets with them and that they know in the same way with our economic development consultant. But we, we've, we've gotten better and better. You know, I could go on in, in 20 minutes of all the things we, we've done just in the last year. But one of the things, the door now on Benson Street, you know, that again, our chamber and our Reading Bridal District uh, uh, store owners wanted. Um, you know, Benson Street was repaved in the last couple of years. Um, you, you, it, it goes on and on. You know, in, in this last year, you talk about uh, offering the, the great city services that, that help with economic development. We've restructured our fire department. First time in many years. We have three new captains, three new positions. Um, we have some very good new police officers that we've sworn in, a new court clerk, um, new police cruisers, uh, council okayed. Uh, two new public works employees, and we know who they're going to be, and we'll announce that when when they tell us is, is fine. You know, they, they need to notify their present employers. We're going to have two excellent new employees for our public works. You know, public works to keep a balanced budget went from 20 full-timers in 2001 down to 13, and we're beginning to build it back up. So anyway, new equipment for each of our departments. But anyway, so recommendation number two will continue you know, to, to concentrate on economic development uh, all day, every day here. Our, our Community Improvement Corporation, I think Mark Bishop's part of it, Dave Powell, Dave Stevenson, uh, Linda Fitzgerald's a part of it, Susan Slavey's a part of it. You know, with the sale of the Nivison property, $392,000 towards economic development, something we've always wanted. In the 25 years now that I've been involved, money sitting so you, you can jump on an economic development project when it becomes available. But anyway, heaven sent again to have the uh, Port Authority involved, millions of dollars in grants, Riesenberg Lane re, redone, 
uh, of Vesey has been such a blessing to this community. South end of Reading Road again, ODOT, Amberley, Sycamore Township, Cincinnati. We had a major deal in the works at the north end of Reading at our city garage. It has been put on delay, but something that will research it's for surface for future jobs in our community. Uh, Benson Street again in better shape um, this year for paving. Columbia Avenue from Reading Road to, to Lachlan. Kaler Avenue, Landy Lane, all sort of grant dollars. So each and every one of those will be 50% grant. So only 50% from money that comes from part of when, when earnings tax was increased and 20% of the new dollars went to paving. First time ever, Reading had a designated paving uh, program. Uh, Furman Road will be redone from Ridge Road down to Sanborn Court. Sanborn Court down to Hunt Road had been redone more recently. Um, you know, again, we are considering speed humps there. I don't know how you all, you all feel about speed humps, but the one thing we do know here is speed humps do work. They slow people down. We were getting continuous calls from Thurnridge Drive how dangerous it was for families to have children. And now we, we don't get them anymore, but just for that. Speed humps work. They're a pain. I go up there and ridge several times a day. I take grandson to school, pick him up from weightlifting. I go to athletic events, Reading High School. My wife and, and, and over the years should have paid for half a thermal ridge. We've worn it out ourselves. But anyway, the speed humps work. Some for you all to consider here going forward. Uh, MSD will finish paving Reading Road from curb to curb in their construction area. Um, that'll be done by late spring. We also uh, have a 50% grant to do Harvest Lane, which probably won't happen until 2025. Now, you know, another, get our departments the tools they need, work on economic development. You know, this is my 25th year as an elected official. I bet in my first 12 years, there were years we had zero dollars in rainy day funds. Zero, they just didn't exist. You know, I bet my first eight years that I was involved, four years on council, four years in mayor, council was meeting 48 times a year. 48 times a year, we missed the, the fifth Thursdays were the only time we didn't meet. And you know why? The number one reason we were meeting, you know, was to transfer money from the tax department to, to the general fund so we could pay bills. There were years we carried over bills purposely from one year to the next so we can make our final payroll in that year and, and then collect earnings taxes in the next year to pay, uh, you know, the bills. But, you know, we're in a situation now we we look better financially than maybe better than ever in Reading's history. But, you know, right off the bat when I became mayor, auditors and other city managers were saying, you know, you should carry a minimum of 15% of your total general fund expenditures, a minimum. Um, right now, we're close to $10 million. You know, I, I recommend we keep close to 20% in a rainy day fund, $2 million. You know, in case, once again, we'd ever go back to 20 years ago when expenditures were exceeding revenues or if there was a disaster or, again, a, God for, forbid, a major economic downturn. And, you know, in keeping a rainy day fund, one of the challenges there is is, is getting our unions and our employees to work with us on that so the money doesn't get eaten up here there and everywhere we should maintain that that rainy day fund that would be huge for us and that's another recommendation uh, from me um you know i want to thank a list of people because it does take so many you know to make the city the best it could be 
You know, I said many times I envy no one. It's incredible what goes on in this community. And you know, I've always uh, believed in the song, it, it, it's a gift to be simple. You know, in many, many ways, Reading is, is, is simple. You know, we have the basics. We do the basics well. Um, anyway, I, I want everybody to consider that going uh, forward. You know, not only things that we can afford today, but things that we can afford well into the future that won't jeopardize, you know, the basic city services that save lives. But you know, I want to thank our wonderful churches, our excellent schools, our productive and generous businesses. You know, unbelievable what we have here. And they cooperate with us, they work with us. You know, nothing uh, more important to me than Chamber of Commerce meetings and business roundtable meetings where we're there to listen to our businesses, our Reading Bridal District meetings as well. You know, I want to thank our American Leeds and our Eagles, our, our Knights of St. John, our Kiwanis for the wonderful things they do in our community. Um, all of our volunteer organizations, you know, the VYO, Reading Youth Football, Reading Youth Soccer, Youth Wrestling, it's all volunteers. You know, we worked very hard last year, you know, to get soccer fields at the old Central School building. It, it, it meant the world, you know, to a lot of young kids who got to go out and, again, learn fundamentals, learn sportsmanship, um, you know, learn, learn how to compete and, and stay in shape doing it. You know, it's remarkable what we do. And so, you know, I hope council uh, supports new lights at Canic Again, a multitude of organizations use it and it'll be, be very, very helpful. I want to thank our com community improvement corporation. Again, it's an economic development tool for our community. I thank them, our planning commission, our board of zoning appeals, our civil service board, excellent people on these boards that, that again, do wonderful things day in, day out. Our Reading Historical Society, is, Society does wonderful things. The We Thrive people have worked hard to make improvements. The new um, garbage cans, recycling cans, you know, helping pick up litter, um, you know, a farmer's market that we now have. Another one I want to stress that my dad was a major part of, you know, starting in the 1970s, and that was with our Mill Creek, the restoration of our Mill Creek. We work very hard here, and Patrick could go on and on. The Mill Creek Alliance, we work hand in hand. We provide them with an office. We provide them with storage space. We provide them our public works department to help them clean up. Um, we have a flood bench that we work very, very hard to get. Um, and now, you know, it's coming to fruition. You know, right off the bat, year one, as I was mayor, we worked with MSD to remove 52 billion gallons, or million gallons, I'm sorry, of raw sewerage out of the Milk Creek each year. You know, there's retention facilities now when so much storm water gets into the uh, sanitary sewers and the lids blow off the sewers and the sewerage gets into the creek as is being addressed left and right. You know, I'm proud of what we've accomplished there. The Mill Creek Yacht Club's run by, by a wonderful friend. They do wonderful things, taking debris out of that creek and, again, helping with many things. We have another ongoing project on the creek. Um, you know, the flood bench will, will help tremendously. You know, I want to thank Dave Stevenson and, and Kevin McDonough and our Reading Police Department for running a very fair and effective mayor's court here in the city of Reading. You know, but talked to Bill Seitz's office, one of our state reps here recently upset about a bill uh, he had uh, that, that will be voted upon. I've never asked our police department for any quotas. You know, that being said, you know, of, out of all of our employees here and out of all of us, we demand everybody give us a good day's work and work hard. 
but anyway, our mayor's court has done so well. It's been fair and effective. It's something that I always thought would be a major headache for me. Simply hasn't. Dave do an awesome job, and so does so does Kevin. I'm one of the busiest mayor's court in the state, year in year out. Um, you know, I say we're out to get no one, and yet we're not afraid to be a law-abiding community here, and 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 um, anyway, enforce our laws. You know, for council, one of the tough things is to continue to prioritize needs. You know, one of the nice things uh, uh, to me, and, and and I'm not promoting 48 meetings a week again, but what, it was a great of a great advantage to have a meeting at least one every now and then without a camera running, where council was more relaxed, where you could put out ideas and go around the horn and talk about Dave's idea and then Andy's idea and Mark's and. And sometimes, you know, when there's not a TV camera rolling, people are more free to offer out ideas and less afraid to get beat up. And so I, I would offer that sometime because future planning is, is difficult, you know, and it's a constant changing thing. But, you know, like we discussed here now, what, what, what moves up the list to get done? You know, our, our track at Reading, you know, it, our track has been like a public park, our, our stadium. People can still walk on that track. Um, so anyway, we're working on improving that. That is high on my list too. Um, so anyway, I, I'll end it with that. You know, I ask everybody, please call me anytime. Any questions, comments, concerns, 513-509-8619. Everybody here is more accessible than ever. Our first initials, our last name at readingohio.org. I believe you can send a message 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Isn't that true? I'm not the biggest computer person, but I get emails at 2.15 in the morning and 4 a.m. in the morning, so I thought it was kind of continuous. There's really, in my opinion, I, I, I made a two-page list of ways we communicated when we were accused of not communicating here. We communicate better than ever before, better than ever before. Patrick and everybody here can communicate with you when they're in Timbuktu. But anyway, you know, and truly our top priority for me you know, we've been blessed in many ways in this community. We truly have. Blessed in this country. And first and foremost to me, we, we need to remain a prayerful community. Thank God for our many blessings because no doubt about it, we've been blessed in many, many ways. Um, we live in a wonderful nation, a wonderful city, and hope God continues to bless us all. And that's it for me. Thank you, Mayor, Mayor Bemis. On the Safety Service Director, Mr. Ross. Thanks. Um, the mayor and I attended the OKI's annual luncheon um, a week and a half ago. Um, most of the talk was about electric vehicles and, and infrastructure for that. Um, for us here, and, and I feel this way strongly, I, I think we're in the infancy of electric vehicles. You know, it's coming down the road, but, you know, I think spending a ton of money right now, on, you know, when there are so many unknowns with e-vehicles i mean just look at some of the issues that some of the communities had you know over the cold winter um but you know they're you know oki is is looking at you know expanding infrastructure as far as charging stations and whatnot uh, one of the neater things that happened during you know the the keynote speaker was um amy spiller she's a duke ceo for ohio kentucky indiana um two or three times during her report and this is you know probably leaders from every community from Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana. I mean, the entire ballroom was full with the, you know, government leaders and professionals. Two or three times she she referenced the city of Reading directly. And, um, you know, sitting there in the room, we're like, hey, 
you know, getting, you know, applause. I mean, because we did work closely with Duke, you know, for several years, and I had been on a board, um, you know, kind of advising Duke of, you know, different issues. But, you know, it's <laughs> nice to have a seat in the room, you know, and an ear to listen to, especially from a large utility like that. I participate in the Tri-State Trails Committee. I'm on their uh, steering committee. Um, there's still work going on that, but I don't have a date or an exact location yet, but tentatively in April, there's going to be a public input meeting put on by the group to get public input. It's most likely going to be up at Sharon Woods um, in April, but as soon as we get a date, you know, I'll, I'll let council know and then I'll put it on our social media to invite anybody that wants to give input um, on that topic. Um, our co the contractor that's going to be doing Columbia and, and Furman, it's the same contractor, um, they, you're going to start seeing them probably starting their, their saw cutting, um, here in the next week or two. I know they start over in Lachlan doing some of that saw cutting and then they're just going to kind of move Lachlan, Redding, Redding Valley, Redding to the hill. So you'll start seeing some work on that. You know, obviously not, you know, the, the asphalt plants aren't fully open yet, but you know, they can at least get some of the work done, get some of the, the milling the you know grinding of the existing asphalt out of there so you're going to start seeing work on that soon uh, we applied for a grant through the uh, ohio department of natural resources for strategic planning replanting of trees on Reading road i want to thank seth um, a lot um he wor he's working with um, the rooted in community group um, they were supposed to have decisions done by the end of january but um, i reached out and so they're still reviewing those grants. So sometime in the middle of this month, uh, we should hear about that. Um, been working with our city city mechanic, Mark Elrod, on an EPA grant that will provide um, up to $25,000 per vehicle. You know, these are for our trucks. Two of them that we uh, authorized, that you guys authorized last year. We have not um, re received those yet. So. If we can get those grants, it'll knock twenty-five thousand. And, and the grant is basically upgrading, you know, how salt, you know, how salting is done. And, and um, so, you know, um, it's, I told Mark, yeah, if we can get twenty-five thousand dollars off, let's do it. So, um, we should hear about that not too long. Um, I, I continue to uh, be in contact with Hamilton, Car Hamilton County, their building department. Um, I've mentioned it a couple times in committee meetings, and I think here. Um, you know regarding their building permitting process they are implementing an online permitting system which would allow residents to do per building permits not zoning building permits online um, but they just now started testing their system this month and he doesn't think it'll be live until um, April or May so we're continuing to, to evaluate whether or not you know I know there's been much discussion on that but you know, one of the things from my perspective is I don't want to make a change that's going to, I mean, we could go to Hampton County or someone tomorrow, but they would have to drive downtown Cincinnati to file a permit. So um, I w if, if we do it, I want to make it so it's something that's easy for residents to do. Um, and I've been in contact with James Noyes from the county, and uh, he just gave me that update yesterday. Um, I've been working uh, with the Mill Creek Alliance. Um, th they're working on doing a project which will be a modification of the Lowhead Lowhead Dam at Mill Creek River Mile 12. This is where near Ohio Avenue. So if you go to the end of Ohio Avenue, go to the creek there. But it's within the city of Reading, and and they they're not asking for any monetary contributions. Um, 
But one of the things I said to him, my biggest concern was making sure that it did not raise the uh, floodplain level. And um, their their engineer from Stantec um, had did, out, did evaluations, and their study results show that there there'll be no increase in the water surface elevation um, in the hundred year floodplain. And this is if you go down there and look, there's a MSD has a big. Um, I don't even know what you call it, a big concrete block that they encase their sewer in, and it should cover that up, and it'll be, you know, healthier for the um, fish and wildlife within there. Patrick, they're also doing a fish ladder around that block. Okay. Um, so the, I, I don't believe, I don't have a timing of when they're going to do the work. I think Stantec is still fully designing that, but um, just wanted to let you guys know on that one. The implementation of our new payroll finance system is ongoing. Um, every day we're learning more and getting more and more comfortable. I see Sabrina not looking up, so. Um, but it, it's, you know, there's, anytime you have a brand new system, there are gonna be issues, but already some of the things are, are easier. For example, we did our, our first time processing pension, you know, the, the state pensions that we do, and, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's a couple of clicks of the button versus manual. It used to be like we would create a report, send it to the state, get a report, send it to Sabrina. Now, you know, over here on our side, the payroll side, and we can click everything. And other than Sabrina hitting okay and approving the payment, I mean, you know, that's all you really have to do on that at this point, right? You know, so it greatly, I'm sure you don't mind. <laughs> well, and check over that nobody put an incorrect GL account. True. Of course. Yeah. Besides that, which well, those you, automatic, you did it perfectly. So. Yeah. But I mean, we're, we're starting to see some of the, you know, the easiness of it. And Sabrina and I have a system in place right now for, and we've learned this, you know, ongoing. You know, our requisitions and payment requests are all online now. But, and Serena didn't know this, and neither did I, you know, if you put in a rec, if one of our guys, let, let's say Chief Owens is working late and he puts in a request at, re, payment request at seven o'clock at night, if I don't go in and hit approve that same night, it will kind of kick it back out. Correct, Sabrina? It'll prompt a then and now, which is yeah. you the money then versus- But auditors don't really like that. So Sabrina and I have set up a system. So. She and I both have an alarm. I have an alarm that goes off at 9 p.m. And hers is 9 p.m. Just to go in to make sure there's nothing in our workflow that we have to hit approve on. It's not a big deal. It's takes like I said, like the mayor mentioned, we can do it from our home. You know, it's it's very easy to do. But it is improving this much less paper now. I mean, it's um, you know not. I mean, every pay period we would probably print out a, a stack of papers this thick. You know that we require reports and now now most everything's hosted on their system so we can get that same information but we don't need to print it out every time so like i said there's some issues and things that happen that we don't understand why it happened but um, we're getting them fixed and um, I, I do like the new system a lot um, i sent a letter um, opposing house bill 296 um, I did this, uh, to, to let the mayor know, this bill is um, is a proposed increase of the pension contributions um, for, specifically for the police officers for the Ohio Police and Fire Pension Fund. If you get your, I think most of you are on probably the Municipal League mailing list. So I, I know you've probably seen that mentioned. What, what that is, what they're, 
and I, it's in committee right now, but what, what it would do is raise the city's contribution rate from 19.5% to 24% for what we have to match for the pension. And I just prepared a, um, you know, it wasn't a super long letter, but I prepared an Excel spreadsheet showing, you know, the difference of what we were paying at, at the end of when it's fully implemented, it's, it's over a $100,000 difference in what we would owe versus if it stayed at 19.5%. So those are real dollars. I mean, as I said, you know, every million dollars is, uh, what is that in payroll? The million divided by five, five million dollars of new payroll. Does that sound right? Yeah, to get a hundred thousand dollars. Five million times two percent is that a hundred thousand? I don't. Yeah. Regardless, I did it in a spreadsheet, and and I just sent it off. You know, letting them know, like, hey, we're not the only small government that's in that boat. So, I mean, it's already more than triple what private employers pay for Social Security. So the Social Security match for employers is six point two percent, and we're paying nineteen and a half um, for police right now for match. Um, so, what I did ask them to do, you know. Just briefly, I said, hey, look at ways that you can maybe alleviate your costs. And, and instead of, like, just raising everything, hey, what can we do to maybe lessen our expenses, you know? And I know it's not popular, but, you know, it might be raising the retirement age by a year or two. And, and when I say this, it would only be raising it to, like, I think right now you can retire at 52 or 53. So I'm like, hey, look, did you guys look at the impact of raising it to 55? You know, because um, everybody's living longer, it's costing more, and I know it's costing more for the pensions. I understand that, but it's like we could, you can only keep raising the amounts on, you know, and, and these are the taxpayers paying for it. So, I mean, it's expensive. So I just, you know, wrote my opposition to that one. And Pat, you were right. It, it's always for our memories. For a hundred thousand dollars in earning tax revenue, it's five million dollars in payroll in this city to get that. It's it's not a small amount. And, and that's in addition to everything else just increasing. You know, over you know over the next four years that they would implement that, costs just aren't going to magically start going down for utilities, gas, people. I mean, everything is just going to keep going up in addition. So that's just a small portion of it. But um, I just hope they look at it further, you know, on the impact that it will have on, a, you know, on every jurisdiction across the state. Um, last one is working on a new... Um, a new report that has not we have not been required to file until this year it's going back to the the lovely Affordable Care Act um, there's filing that was only required on employers um, over I think 200 or 250 people this year the reporting is on every employer so um, I, I have no idea why they want to know I'm seeing what's in the report, and I have no idea why they need to know this information. But it's a it's a lengthy report, and it's time consuming because we have to report every employer that was covered every single month, their dependents that were on our plan every single month. So I mean, it's it's not just like a simple like, oh yeah, uh, Sabrina was covered. You know, it's we got to do that. Got to know Sabrina's dependent name. These. It's just, you know, it gets frustrating, some of these unfunded mandates and reports that we have to do. And I can see if it somehow, I don't see what benefit it has anybody to know this information. But um, that report is due at the end of, um, at the end of this month. So um, uh, Diane and I are working on that. And that's all I have for tonight. Okay, thank you, Mr. Ross. Law Director's Report, Mr. Stevenson. 
I, I gave Carla a copy of my annual report. I did notice a couple typos, so I'm going to redo it and send it to you. I forgot to update the years in the first two paragraphs. Um, I'm not going to read it. You all have a copy of it um, that was emailed to you earlier today. Um, you know, the nuts and bolts of it is stuff doesn't change much year to year with my business. Um, our litigation files are, are very low right now, and uh, we we're only involved in a couple of lawsuits with the uh, uh, as part of a class action against the opium producers, and b both of those are in various stages of bankruptcy and/or settlement discussions. So that's all I have. Okay, thank you, Mr. Stevenson. Treasurer's report, Mrs. Owens. Thank you. I have a lot of numbers to give you tonight. The total income tax collected in December was 573781 The breakdown of this is 49879 in individual taxes, 53959 in business net profits, and 469943 in payroll withholding. The total collected for December 2022 was 558046 the total collected in all of 2023 was $8,533,190. The breakdown of this is $1,197,833 in individual taxes, $860,041 in business net profits, and $6,475,316 in payroll withholding tax. The total collected in 2022 was $9,138,690. We ended the year officially 6.6% behind 2022. And as I mentioned um, quite a few times last year, 2022 is not an accurate comparison. Um, in reality, based on um, some, some extraordinary estimated taxes paid during 2022, that did end up getting returned in 2023, we really ended up within 1%. So, and I'm, I'm very comfortable with these numbers. Um, now for 2024, total income tax collected in January was 933,966. The breakdown of this is $140,011 in individual tax, 72,579 in business net profits, and 721,376 in payroll withholding tax collected. The total collected in January for 2023 was 819,606. Based on these numbers, we are running 14% ahead of 2023. Um, and as you can kind of tell by the numbers, the treasurer's office had a very busy January. <laughs> we were finally allowed to send out late and non-filing notices and this is a large part of the nearly 43% increase in individual income tax payments over last year. And speaking of the late and non-filing notices, I would like to say thank you to all of the residents who received letters and who filed their returns. Despite how busy the month was, Michelle and Shannon commented just how kind and friendly everyone was when they came in to file and made it a, a much more pleasant experience. And finally, I am so excited to announce that Rachel Grine will be our new deputy treasurer. She is currently a clerk in our police department and will be moving over to the tax office in late March. I believe that she will be a huge asset to the office and we are so happy to have her. That is all I have. All right. Thank you, Mrs. Owens. Auditors report, Mrs. Smith. Thank you, Mr. President. 
Um, I first want to start by thanking the seventh graders at St. Peter and Paul Academy for the lovely thank you notes that they made. Um, that was very nice to make it for all of council and administration. So we very much appreciate it. And if you ever want to talk with any of us, please reach out. Um, I just wanted to let everyone that the new computer system VIP was definitely live on January 5th for all staff here at City Hall. So I started with the service department um, and worked my way down through the different departments. So everybody is doing now the two-part system to purchase. One is a requisition, which is asking for a blessing to spend money and it goes into a purchase order. And the second part of it is to actually make the payment request. So that way um, we know where money spent and what funds it's spent from. So everybody's been working hard on both those processes. There's been some growing pains in figuring out how to do different things in the system. But for the majority of them, it's going really well. Um, we've got to call in for a few things that we've got to have fixed. But other than that, um, everything's good to go with that. Um, just wanted to let everybody know that our GAP financial statement for 2023 has begun. Um, I feel like this year they're asking for more information and they have an earlier timeline as to when it is due to them. So our independent third-party auditors from the state auditor's office need everything by March 15th to guarantee the filing is complete um, by May 30th or May 29th or so. And that's because of all the things they have to do on the back end when they file within the Hinkle system from the state of Ohio. So I know I just said a lot of words through that, but long story short, this is like a mini audit that's done every year by cities to get ready for the big two-year <coughs> audit. So with them completing 2023, um, there's a lot of things from administration, all our different departments and everything in between that they need to be able to file. Um, I've given the initial list out to everybody, but I usually kind of give them the backup of the stuff that they've sent us from years before. So we're working on that actively. And then at the same time that this goes on for just 2023, our 2022 and 2023 big audit has started. So we're on a two-year audit cycle. Um, so I kind of wish we were every year that we would just do the audit. So that way it's out of our brain, but we do have to back it up from 2022 to 2023. So their first week, it's a different group of staff from Plattenberg, which allows us to keep our audit firm in a prolonged number of years. Um, that first week that they'll be on site to do mainly 2022 is March 4th through 8th. And then they'll schedule another week out to come for 2023. But no surprise to anyone here, I ask that <coughs> them as much of 2023 as possible. Um, and everybody knows that so that way they can get started on 2023 to lessen their time they're in the building so give them everything they need um, the other thing that we're working on right now is the fixed asset listing for 2023 this is when we have those big capital purchases that we talk about whether it's trucks or um, big projects around like our road projects we have to compile a listing of that so it works with a lot of different departments that keep the different information so I'm hopeful that the new computer system can kind of put all that information into one place and Patrick did the appropriation adjustments for 2023 at the end of the year for the general fund and I did the non-general fund and I'm still being trained on how to kind of enter those into the new system and then put the new appropriation amounts in for 2024 for the temporary appropriations that council passed so those are all the items going on right now, and we have a lot of pretty coming up quick deadlines for items. 
Um, but, you know, hopefully it'll be easier than thought because we do a good job of keeping up with all our items as we go. Um, as Patrick mentioned, the new system, we're finding ways to make items a lot quicker. Um, but just that conversion step from November and December has been a little harder. And then next year, I won't have that same problem because everything will be done in this system. So we're hopeful for that. I just got to dig in and get all those things streamlined so that way everything matches on both sides. Um, and that's it for me. Okay, thank you, Mr. Smith. Mr. Ross. Sorry, before we go to the um, council committee, I'm not trying to steal. <laughs> Brent, I, I just wanted to remind, because um, I, I, I'm already done with my taxes, so. Um, but I want to remind everyone for your local writing taxes, um, two things. One, if you if you know what you owe, like your accountant already prepared it, and, and you just have to make a payment, or you're paying your quarterly, there's a link directly on the tax bar website to make payments via credit card, so you can follow that link. If you need to file, you can e-file now, if you recall. And we put that in place a couple years ago, but a couple things with that. If you've never filed a tax return um, with the city, so if you're brand new to resident or first time filing, you still have to register with the tax office before you can use the e-file site. Um, I'd recommend if you have any questions with the e-filing, you call um, between 8.30 and 4.30, or you can email, and this is on the website, so I'm no. You can email Shannon at S H O E L M E R S Homer at writingohio.org. So that's, you know, people, you don't have to necessarily come in here if you've been here your whole life. and um, But you will have to be able to upload your W 2s and any other kind of, ten, if you have a 1099 or any kind of information that you have, you have to upload that, um, in the, you know, to properly file. But we do have those two options. Um, you know, I know it's only February, but. April 15th or whatever the date is will be here very quickly so um, you can get both of those at writingohio.org and then go to the tax department site. Okay, thank you. On the committee reports, finance, Mr. Browner. Thank you Mr. President. At our finance committee meeting on January 31st, Matt Morgan from our service department gave a report about the condition of the lights at Canick Park. In addition to being obsolete, the poles are rotting and becoming a hazard. One pole has previously fallen. <coughs> the committee agreed that an ordinance be drafted to use COVID relief funds not to exceed $300,000 to replace the lighting with modern equipment and poles. We also discussed improvements to Veterans Stadium. We have been quoted $53,000 to remove the old sealant and reseal the concrete bleachers. New turf, track, and fencing are also still under consideration. Our 240 stadium fund was last reported at $191,972. Last reported balances for other funds that could possibly be used for improvements are the 230 Streets and Curbs Fund at $976,969, the 340 Capital Improvement Fund at $767,191, and the 827 Sewer Service Fee Fund at $859,240. And that's all for me, Mr. President. All right. Thank you, Mr. Browner. Utilities, lands, and buildings. Thank you, Mr. Mr. President. Um, since my kids don't draw me little pictures anymore, I love these cards from the seventh graders. So thank you very much. Um, <coughs> you know, I've, I've 
I've lived in Ray 30 years. My wife, my, my wife grew up here, um, and uh, among seven kids down in Thurn Ridge, um, we have a lot. We have a lot of things we work on all the time on committees and, and council. Um, a lot of things that should have been done years ago are now coming to the head and and, and being asked to be done. Um, I you know I kind of ask the the public's uh, patience in that these things aren't always going to happen in a specific order and probably not the order that a specific person wants them to happen in. Um, the more we debate something, the longer it takes for this thing to take, and that one doesn't happen until that gets done. So um, we're moving on a lot of things. We have a lot of moving parts going on in council right now. I see that continuing, and we'll be knocking these things off one at a time uh, as we find the funds to do things. And uh, as, as the mayor said, we're in a better shape now than we have been in a long time. So while we don't want to spend into oblivion, we will take care of these things and make sure a lot of these things get done uh, as they need to be. And these things are all necessary. I mean, you can say this one might be a little more necessary than that one, but they are things that have to be done. We talk about the uh, the image that Reading projects, and I think that uh, um, the, you know the, the fields down there are a good example of that. Um, I, I do want to thank the uh, the all the organizations like We Thrive and Rooted in Community Tri-State Trails, the Mill Creek Alliance. Um, and the uh, walk with a purpose among all the, the private uh, the church groups and whatnot around the city that help the city all the time and help us uh, accomplish more um, my report um, I put together a comparison of the the uh, attendance essentially viewership we have the audience of our um, of, of our council meetings for the last year uh, with the help with uh, ESP media and Rob Ebel um, I the the chart actually shows the uh, the number of total views of city council meetings uh, in person attendance is not included in the chart. Um, ICRC used a single channel for YouTube for live and archive broadcasts. So there's no way to split the two, um, but so we do have that number on it. That's one of the one of the bars. Um, ESP actually has live and archive views, which can re which are recorded separately. Um, a separate column indicates listeners on the podcast platform, and then the uh, the, the light orange bar actually is the uh, column with the total of audio and video listeners um, for the for 2023. So you have 2022 versus 2023 on the chart, and Carl has that in my report. Um, I did not include again the in-person attendance numbers. Uh, it's usually pretty minimal. Uh, I don't know that it would even show up on the chart uh, in the bar graph, but. Uh, as an additional note, the viewership at our January 1st meeting and swearing in was identical both years uh, at 85. <coughs> so that is my report. Right, thank you, Mr. Bishop. Zoning, Planning, and Environment, Mr. Powell. Thank you, Mr. President. At the last council meeting, I had a matter assigned to the committee that I chair. I received a letter from McCluskey CFO that confirms the property is currently being used as a body shop slash collision repair operation. My work schedule prevented me from visiting the site during normal business hours. However, there is observed evidence on the site that appears to confirm that use. I also received a letter from the Reading Chief, Bo Chief Building Official, Dan Brooks, that confirmed the legal non-conforming use of the property. Any expansion of that use will be required to conform to 1284.06 which allows for an expansion of the non-conforming use as long as the extension slash enlargement does not exceed 25% of the land area covered by the existing non-conforming use and does not violate any yard or height requirements of the district in which it is located. 
Approval for such an extension slash enlargement must be approved by the Reading Planning Commission prior to the issuance of a building or zoning certificate. He went on to state that after reviewing the preliminary proposal that was provided, they have met all the criteria listed in section 1284.06 of the code and thus recommend approval. Uh, to me, it sounds like all parties involved are aware what needs to occur prior to the issuance of building slash zoning certificates. And that's that's uh, my report for this evening. Thank you, Mr. Powell. Laws and contract, Mrs. Edchico. Uh Thank you, Mr. President, and thank you to the Academy for thank you notes. Uh, I had a laws and contracts committee meeting on January 23rd with Mr. Powell and Mr. Bronner in attendance. We discussed a few topics and things we would like to work on in the upcoming year. We discussed the Dora expansion and I've sent the surveyor information to Patrick along with the areas that we would like added. Um, I'm going to put together a list of the properties that'll be, or the property addresses that will be included in the expansion and I'll send that on to Patrick when I have it completed. Then we can move forward with getting the area surveyed. I also sent the proposed expansion area to Linda Fitzgerald as well. Um, we have not had any complaints about Dora that I'm aware of. Um, I've heard only good things about Dora so far. It's been, uh, it was very successful during the holiday walk. And personally, I've seen a few groups of um, people on Benson Street with Dora cups um, out while, or while they're out shopping. And I'm sure that will increase with warmer weather and now that Foley's has reopened. Um, we also discussed in the committee meeting the property maintenance ordinance that was passed, or that was, yeah, that was passed last year and issues with enforcement. Uh, I do have a list of nuisance properties that those of us on council are often contacted about. I have not received any updates regarding these properties from our building administrator in quite some time. So it was suggested during the meeting that we invite Mr. Brooks to attend a council meeting so we can ask some questions. Uh, my committee also worked on updating the rules and regulations regarding council procedures. I'm still fine-tuning some of the updates and working out some details, and I will get that out to council to review once it's completed. That's all I have. Mrs. Chico, thank you. Public health and safety, Mrs. Kroger. I'm sorry, Ms. Waltbrink, but I need to be this person. All of your committees are wrong. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I found that out earlier. Sorry. Um, the police department run count for January. Um, calls of service, there were 939. Auto accidents, there were 31. Uh, booking of original charges, there was 115. For, in total criminal charges, there were 154. Total citations issued were 223. The fire department runs for January. Um, EMS responses, there were 214. Fire responses, there were 58 for a total of 272. Um, for the police department for the month of January, there were multiple runs for OVI, theft, domestic violence, and auto theft. There were also several cars around the valley that had their windows busted out. As always, if you see something, say something. Nothing is too small to report. Please call 911 for immediate response. And for non-emergencies, please call the county non-emergency line at 513-825-2280. And then the fire department had a total of 3,042 runs for 2023, which is an increase of 4% from 2022. Also, Wednesday, February the 21st at 7 p.m., I will be holding a public health and safety meeting here in council chambers. One, That's all I have. Thank you, Mrs. Kroger. 
We're on the service committee, Mr. Boehner. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I um, also want to thank the uh, seventh graders at uh, St. Peter and Paul Academy for the card. Um, it's always nice to get uh, uh, something from young kids. It means they're paying attention. Um, service department's been extremely busy uh, over the last month, patching potholes in the streets. <coughs> Actually did Siebenthaler uh, today. The mulch of black collecting branches. Uh, city crews are in the process of taking down holiday directions. Now you wonder why it's holiday decorations. They're only coming down now because it's too daggone cold for them to be doing that. Uh, during the cold uh, snap we had, they replaced several water main breaks. Allwell Drive, Trillium Court, West Crest Drive, East Crest Drive, two on West Street, uh, one on East Benson Street, Dorian Drive, Furman Road, and West Vine Street. Now, on top of all that, they went out uh, twice to clear snow and put salt down. And these guys were working 12-hour shifts. Uh, they couldn't spend a lot of time, obviously, outside on the water main breaks. It was too daggone cold. Uh, so they, they deserve a lot of credit for showing up, taking care of the streets so the police and fire can get down the streets. Uh, these guys uh, work hard every day. They show a lot of pride in their work, and that's why they're the best service department around. Uh, city crews also repaired the roadways where the water main breaks occurred. Uh, during this time, last month, there's only one asphalt plant open. It's in Trenton, Ohio, north of Middletown. So they had to go all the way up there just to get a truckload of blacktop to fill all these holes. Um, city used about uh, 350 tons of road salt on the two snow events. City re re crew repaired a solenoid valve at the reservoir. Uh, they were also replaced a water pump at the pump house. Uh, city crew repaired curbing on West Street from the water main break. City crews rebuilt the catch basin on West Street where the water main break occurred that was underneath the basin. Uh, complete maintenance check was done on all vehicles. Okay, uh, last month, last week I should say, on January 30th, the service department had a meeting with um, quite a few residents on Furman Road. I thank Scott and Shelley for uh, coming to the meeting as well. Um, it was a fairly, um, I don't think it was contentious. It was getting a little out of hand, but we were able to keep it under control for the most part. Um, Patrick, they're not in favor of speed humps by at least uh, 17 to 5. I had three phone calls the next day. Uh, that's what put my number at 17. I don't, Shelley, do you have about the same number? Or? I had 20 to 5. Okay. I thought yeah. I counted 20. Uh, you, you, you probably because I was trying to take care of mm -hmm. some other problem. But, um, but the, because there's two problems, and I asked uh, Police Chief Edens about putting a speed trail up there. They can't put the speed trail up there during this cold weather. There's a feeling that afraid of the, the uh, inf instruments getting too cold and causing more problems. So it's going to be the first week April before they put speed bumps up there. Um, I mean, before they put the speed trail up. The people that were in favor of the speed humps are worried about the speeding because a lot of people don't go up Thunder Ridge because of speed humps. They go up firm instead. So they speed um, on that street. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that, that's going to happen. So at this point, they don't want speed humps. Um, but the biggest problem, though, was not the speed humps. The biggest problem was about 10, 
11 years ago when it was repaved, they just put blacktop down to raise the street level up. The street level's two to three inches higher than most driveways. If you walk the street or you drive the street, uh, you can see much better when you're driving, or walking, I should say. But the, uh, at the very top on the north side of uh, Furman, from um, basically Ridge to the Bend, there's curb on the north side. And you can tell that all the driveways are much higher because that curb. On the other side of the street, there's not a curb. All the water goes into these people's driveways and driveway aprons. They replace their aprons every couple of years because of road salt and excess water. Uh, and I don't know if uh, Daryl is here with a couple guys. That they don't know if they can grind five, six inches down that may destroy some of the base of the road. But if they can't go down five inches, they're going to have to look to putting curbs in through most of the street because they got to get the water away from these people's driveways. Um, There's also, if they want to put a speed hump, um, the people beyond uh, Sanborn Court will like one about halfway between Sanborn Court and the bend down at the end of the, uh, towards the end of the street. A lot of speeding is going on at that end. Um, the uh, lots of discussion about how higher the street was. I've talked about that already. Um, And that's about all we had in the meeting. That one gentleman there from Burkhardt Avenue. I don't know what he was there, but he was there because he saw speed humps. And uh, I probably got a little too round, wound up with him, but basically I said, you know, the best thing for Burkhardt, we talked about this already, is just closing Garber the Burkhardt, making a dead end street. But I said, nobody's going to do that until everybody in that street down there signs off on it. And I'll say, I said something else, and I'm not going to repeat it here, but uh, it wasn't negative by any stretch. But there's a few other people that didn't love on Furman were there, which I thought was interesting, because they, they just want to find out about the speed humps. Um, but I had one comment about the, uh, I thought Matt Morgan did a great job at Andy's committee meeting explaining the lights and that. But I, I will tell you, in the last two years, not one word has anybody brought up about the lights at Caney Park. Not one word until at Matt's meeting, I mean, uh, Andy's meeting. So, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe there was other committee meetings talked about the lights here, but I never heard a word about the lights at Caney Park. I'm appalled that they've gotten that far. We should have fixed those last year at least if that, that was really a problem. But hopefully we'll be able to get that done uh, on a timely basis. And that's all I have at this point. All right, thank you. I have one Ms. comment. Mr. Mann. Just real quick. Ms. Skirber. Um, There was a comment at the service meeting about a stop sign at Georgia. That's right. Instead of the speed hump, just breaking it up a little bit more and adding that, that stop sign. They, they, thought, they thought that would slow the speeding down a bit, Pat, if there was that a was stop sign at Georgia. to roll through. Huh? They, I mean, they do the one at Sanborn. I, I sit on my, no, they, they do the one at Furman and Carol Ann. Yeah. I, I sit out there quite a bit. And, yeah. People don't like speed humps because they don't want to have to slow down. Slow down, right. I mean, right. so, I mean, I think we should take that with a grain of salt. I mean, it's, I mean, one of the people that has it has a really nice car and, you know, they, they drive lower. But as the mayor said, they do work. They slow people down, um, you know, um, 
for what it's worth, they do slow people. <laughs> they they do work. I mean, look at Thurn Ridge. You can't go more than 50 miles an hour over those humps without having, you know, a big bump over there. I wanted to say one other thing unrelated to that. Just um, he mentioned the snow and ice removal, and, and I posted something personally as a – but um, just so everybody's aware, um, you know, it's not cheap. Um, it, that 350 tons – you know, I asked some people, like, hey, what do you think that costs? And I don't know. Just no, just the cost of the, the salt, about 25 grand. So that that's not the overtime. That's just the cost, you know. So just for people to understand, like, hey, when these things happen, like, they're not ex inexpensive. But thankfully, you know, the council, we purchased that uh, salt dome. And we're able to store, you know, close to four times as much salt. So we still have salt on the prior pricing that's you know a little under $75 a ton because the new pricing this time around is about 81 so we're going to try to maximize the amount at the lower rate um, you know and we and I heard you know who knows what the, we can't who knows what the water is going to be but just about 25 grand for uh, sold alone just anybody watching you guys curious like hey you know so those are, <laughs> those are not you know that 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 salt seemed awful cheap to me. Well, there was times I, I remember in uh, 2008 being over two hundred dollars a ton. Yeah, right. Right now we we get it through you know Cincinnati on their and their bidding and and thankfully you know when I first started yeah when I first started it was over you know over a hundred a ton. Yeah. Um, so it's down, but still it's not inex <laughs> inexpensive. So I, I you know and I. I think everybody in, in this city appreciates those guys a lot. Right. I think anybody that works outside of Reading or drives outside, it's noticeable, you know, and I, they have a good system in place and, you know, and uh, they did, like I said in my post when they were fixing the water main break and the minus degrees, you know, you, you know, thank those guys because that's, I, I just walked, you know, I got the initial call on the one break and, and I just stood outside for about, a minute and I was like oh, I'm frozen and these guys are gonna have to be out there hours you know working on it so um, I appreciate those guys and I know our community does too okay recreation that's Scott Tommen okay I have a comment all right okay um, on, on sure. speed ups and I don't know where they'd be applicable if possible but anywhere anywhere there's a possibility of having a crosswalk where there's a speed hump I kind of like the uh, the speed humps that they used over in Deer Park where they're a little bit lower, but a little bit a little bit deeper, mm -hmm. um, and a little less hazardous to cars, but but yet they also serve another purpose in slowing people down where there is a crosswalk, and it makes the crosswalk more visible. So, okay, that's all. Recreations committee, Mr. Tommen. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, for those of you at home, if you want to mark your calendars for upcoming events, our Easter egg hunt will be held on Saturday, March 30th at 10 a.m. at the Hafey Field House. Reading Cleanup Day is scheduled for Saturday, April 27th, at from 10 to noon. Uh, all participants, all community members are welcome. Uh, those willing to participate should meet at either the small shelter at Kennick Park or St. Peter and Paul Cemetery. And lastly, signups for pool memberships and swim lessons will begin on Saturday, May 4th, from 10 to noon at the Hafey Field House, and we'll do that for the next two Saturdays as well, May 11th and May 18th. Thank you, Mr. Tommen. Any other business that needs to be discussed? Okay, we're moving on to 
We have no reading of resolutions, so we'll move on to reading of ordinances. An ordinance authorizing the safety service director to establish the position of part-time administrative assistant for both the police and fire departments and declaring an emergency. Any discussion? Discussion. Um, I know Shelley asked Patrick before the meeting how um, quickly this needed to be passed if we could do a first reading. Um, I know she was interested in taking it into her committee to discuss it there at her next meeting. Um, I think that's a good idea. If there's no big rush, um, I think you said that they can. Yep. Yep, there's on. not. We. Yeah. We. Yeah. It, so. You can have a first and a second because I think your committee meeting is what? It's the 21st. 21st. The day so. after, yeah. The yeah. Day after that, the that's. Yeah. This is like to fill some of the, you know, I know we talk, talked about some of the, you know, with body cams and public records, you know. Um, all those things, the police department, same stuff, but it can, yeah, it can wait. And I just want to say, uh, to reiterate again, the emergency clause is not because it needs to be passed right now. The emergency clause is so that once it's passed, it can go into effect immediately and not have to wait 30 days after it has been passed. And shall it, the meeting is when? It is Wednesday, February the 21st, 7 p.m. here in Council Chambers. Another question I, I had about it was, was this to replace the uh, uh, the no. clerk that went to the treasurer's office? Or? No, no. Those are the clerks that are answering the phone downstairs if okay. somebody has issues. Um, this would be like not necessarily a set amount of hours. It, it, max, it, maximize, it maxes it out, but it's more on a like as needed. As needed basis. Yes. Okay. But yeah, she can discuss it more, and the chiefs will be happy to give more details on precisely how they plan to use them. Dave, do we have to make a vote to put this into Shelley's committee, or no. we're good to go? Yeah. You can do that. She's already got the meeting scheduled, and you've decided that you're going to talk about it at the committee meeting. That's fine. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. First reading? Yes? Yes. Yes. Cool. An ordinance authorizing an expenditure not to exceed $300,000 for the Koenig Park Lights Replacement Project and declaring an emergency. Discussion? Mr. Powell. The, uh, when, when I had a chance to look at this, kind of the thing that popped up in my mind, and I think some of it might have gotten answered tonight, but the number of times that that field uh, how, how many times a year would those lights be utilized? Um, it's tough to say because literally soccer would use it. Little, I mean, I don't have their exact numbers. Soccer, literally football would utilize it. I mean, that, and they practice. I mean, right now, once, uh, I mean, they practice at other places, but when it gets later into the fall, you know, they that's the only place that has lights except for the stadium but we don't let people practice there so um throughout the fall i mean it, it would don't it would be most nights probably until end of october probably and then we haven't not hole isn't just baseball hasn't even planned the schedule night games just because they know that it's hard enough to see a softball like seeing a baseball would be right not good so um you know, throughout the fall, I would say most weeknights, and then 
Um, in the spring, you know, it's hard to say because we haven't been scheduling night games there for a while. But this would allow for regular things. You know, you know, you have the Fourth of July festival, the Taste of Reading, and the Memorial Day festivals, obviously. But like for regular stuff, you'd be able to use. You know, they'd be used more because you could schedule. Like right now, I think the latest game that VOIO might schedule, like the older kids, is probably around like six o'clock yeah. because they have to be done. It's usually a two-hour game, but by 8 p.m., even by the end of it, it's getting kind of. Now you could schedule a game seven or you know, you could go eight to ten o'clock because you know, yeah. uh, which I think uh, probably would help for scheduling purposes. A concern that I had had was. Uh, with the primary tenant who was the school district with them having their own facility now i just wasn't sure how many times it would be utilized but it sounds like it'll be utilized quite quite often so. and frankly i mean they i mean reading might ask to use it too because they don't have lights right. to do night games up there now most of their games probably not but hey they might want to do a night game here or there you know i think when they do like the andy ramsey um it's not a, like a whole tournament they do baseball wise yeah. I mean, they probably like to have it go through the night if if they had that possibility. So I mean, they could still, you know, potentially use it too. And then one other question: I don't know, uh, you know, how far how far down in the weeds you've been on this yet, but there's a lighting company out of Iowa called Musco, that and I know years ago, um, a couple of years ago, they were offering like twenty five thousand dollar grants. So I don't know if they're still doing that or not, but I do remember seeing that maybe a couple of years ago. I preliminary that's I preliminary met with the, them last year. Okay. Um, and it's more than just it's it, it, the project's going to be more than just like putting in new poles and stuff. All the wires that are above ground, playing to get underground. That's why I had you know if you notice, there I added stuff for public works because ideally public works would work and, and do a lot of the um, trenching for the conduit. And as I think Mr. Bishop mentioned, right now the lights don't work at, at the pickleball court. Um, so, and, and it really is, it can't be, Matt would have fixed it if he could. So it'll, it'll be able to fix that. It'll actually bring more power, because um, right now we're limited in the amount of, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not an expert on that. That's why Matt came to the meeting, how much power basically can be there. For example, the, the Taste of Reading ladies had a, a, a band, and they came to us and said, hey, they said they need, don't quote me on this exact, they need 10,000 kill, whatever it was. And Matt's like, we don't have... 483 phase. Yes. What he said. Yeah. You know, so it, this would, you know, um, you know, upgrade some of those things too. So they'll be upgrading the electric service yes. and whatnot yeah. as well. Okay. Yeah. And I had a question too, with the age of them, would this make them... I would imagine more energy efficient. Oh well, like in wait. the long run. Yeah, ours <laughs> up there, and, and he, we can't even we can't even adjust them. Right. But people are like, why don't you just move the lights? And it's like they can't be. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and we um, our bucket truck doesn't go high enough to even do those either. So, uh, but Musco was the, that's one of the I met with two companies, but Musco was kind of the more one I met with on person, um, just kind of like gauging you know hey what needs to be done and you know because there's a lot of you know under under underground stuff you know because we certainly aren't going to put all the wires back up it'll um and then you know fixing like the tennis courts and those kind of lighting things you know because now we have cameras down there that work really well so um you know it'll 
you just improve the lighting overall, not just the ball field lighting, but it'll allow Matt to fix some of the stuff that um, just needs, you know, needs to be done. And Mr. Powell, like you, I had reservations at first uh, when I read the ordinance. Uh, when I hear Mr. Uh, Matt Morgan saying that the existing lights are a hazard, uh, that terrifies me. I mean, I want to build up the trail and the park and everyone should feel safe. Uh, and then when I found out it's going to be an entire park revamp, you know, not just the replacement of existing, um, and it, it opens up so many more opportunities of things that we can do at that facility and makes it more attractive to people that maybe want to schedule games or other events. Um, so, yeah, I have my reservations with the emergency clause, but uh, after all the discussion today, the, the timing, everything, it, a lot of my questions have been Our answered. Public Works are going to be heavily involved in, yeah. you know, the you know, because they're more of an expert in, in what needs to be done than I am. So I, I don't try to micromanage a lot of these things. I, I rely on, you know, we have a, a great group of guys that, A, know what needs to be done, but a, also know how to do things. So them working, you know, directly with, you know, the people that are going to do it, you know, makes more sense. Do you have an idea? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. An, an idea of, like, the lead time or, you know, installation? That, that part, from, that part I'm, I'm not From on, passage so. to... That part I'm not 100% sure on. No. But Mr. Powell, also, and just because I have always helped Bonnie with VYO, um, my guess as far as time frame is to, to when it would be used. I mean, obviously, I don't I don't know like how many days a year it would be used, but my guess would probably be six to seven months out of the year. Those lights will get used. You know, we hear we hear a lot about uh, people say, you know, the the image of Reading, the image of Reading, and talking about this and that and different things. Uh, I, Canning Park is, I mean, I've I'm a transplant from 30 years ago, but Canning Park has been the focal point for three, at least three big festivals. Um, I know people that come from the other side of town and even Dayton to come down to our festivals, um, and so I think that's uh, and plus with the safety and everything else involved in it, I think it's a big big improvement to the park. It takes. We've we fixed the restrooms. We've done a lot of things down there. So this this takes one big thing off our plate from from there. One of the things I also asked about it at the meeting was the uh, you know we talked about lights and I, I mentioned the the, uh, the uh, street lights, the antique looking street lights that are on Benson. What I found out was is that the reason we don't go through and retrofit all of them is because every time they try to take one apart, the, the housing breaks because they're so old. And the heat from the light and everything, I guess, causes it to break and they get brittle because they're a cast, uh, cast aluminum. Um, and so therefore, the likelihood of having to replace the entire fixture is really high every time they take one apart. So therefore, at some point, they all work now, right now. And we can do onesies and twosies, but at some point when, it, when that reaches a critical stage where, where we're losing more and more, because they will do that, lights do that in, in, in uh, they're all on, you know, a chart. You can plan out when they're going to die. Um, at some point down the road, it could be five years from now, we're going to have to plan on probably doing those wholesale just because that's the cheapest way to do it. But it's, it's not going to be a matter of being able to replace one and two or even do a retrofit um, on those. So... Um, that's kind of where we're at at the park is with the stadium lights is the and the other ones I know the at the last couple of festivals I'm standing by the hamburger booth and, and uh, trying to get a hamburger and the light keeps going out <laughs> so it's and I, I kept asking about why you know has anybody looked at this well the parts aren't available or the parts are too hard to get or the, you know they can use the bucket truck and it's just constant replacements of those things so um, this will light up uh, 
a lot of the area better and hopefully we won't shine light in the in the uh, the windows of the houses um, or the players okay do we have a motion to suspend the rules or do you want to just do the first reading I'll make a motion to suspend the rule requiring a second and third reading second okay I got a motion by mrs. Edichico seconded by mrs. Kroger to suspend the rules requiring a second and third reading roll call please mr. Powell yes mr. Bronner yes mr. Bishop yes mr. Boehner no mr. mrs. Kroger yes mr. Tommen yes and mrs. Kroger wow Edichico <laughs> yes right, we have six yes one no um, motion to suspension suspension carries um, motion to adopt by mrs. Kroger second second by mrs. Edichico roll call please <laughs> mr. Powell yes mr. Bronner yes mr. Bishop yes mr. Boehner no mrs. Kroger yes mr. Tommen yes mrs. Edichico yes all right ordinance is adopted ordinance number please 2024-05. Okay. An ordinance authorizing the safety service director to enter into an agreement with Randstetter Carroll Incorporated for engineering aquatic design services for Reading Pool and declaring an emergency. Discussion? Ms. Kroger. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if Mr. Tommen has more information on it, but I was just for those watching um, <coughs> an explanation of what the plans are and just a quick question, like if the reason for the emergency is because we have a, a price here and there's a time frame. Last summer, our service department told us that our filtration system at the community pool is way past, like so many other things are so old uh that they can't find replacement parts they've been handcrafting parts to keep it running they're fearful that it might break down in the middle of the pool season so last september we met with pss contractors in wyoming who said the the structure of the pool is sound but the filtration system needs to be addressed so then uh in october i met along with matt morgan we met with the vice president of brands that are carol to draft plans like everyone else uh, running behind schedule especially with the holidays and all that so uh, brands that are Carol finally got back to me uh, and this was their price for their plans and for some follow-up and on-site meetings the reason for the emergency is we are holding out hope and it's a long shot at this point the hope the original hope was to have this finished by this pool season it's a long shot at the moment had we gotten these plans before the new year um, but to uh, the runtime on the the filters plural because we'll have to get a new one for each pool uh, to meet code the the runtime is anywhere from two months to four months so if 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 we don't want an emergency that's fine we'll just put this off and say it's gonna be a September project um, if there's any chance of of this getting done before we open up at the end of may uh then we got to get moving right away so brands that are carol will draw up the plans once we have that then we have to get the permits and put it out to bid to a contractor it's basically the quicker we approve it the quicker things can get started right but, but i'm not even guaranteed yeah but as you said it's not even guaranteed because right. those things are out of 
anybody's hand how right. quickly a filter yeah. so, could come in. Yeah, there's no guarantee that it will get done before this season. That was just the initial goal. Mr. Powell. In, uh, in our uh, discussion earlier today when I called you for a little more information, you had mentioned something about the existing system is below grade and that it needs to be brought above grade to bring it? Yeah, it's it's a big process. So current code says we have to have a separate filtration system for each pool. It has to be above ground, which it currently is not. Our pump house right now has a flat roof and very little headroom. So our service department will have to uh, put a new roof on with pitch and ventilation and, and then construct another house uh, by the waiting pool. So it, it'll be a big deal. And, you know, all that said, the likelihood of getting it done before we open this year, pretty slim. And how many inches of water was the waiting pool losing a day this year? Well, that's kind of what prompted all. We were, yeah, we were losing four inches of water in the waiting pool per day. Uh, because we had an underground leak. Um, and then so exploration of that led to other problems and yeah, can of worms. If, uh, if, the, if the thing, if, it, if, we, if it gets approved in the, um, and they, we get moving on it, obviously we don't know when it's gonna happen, but uh, is there downtime for the pool? What, we absolutely don't want that at all. Mm. So but that's what I'm saying. Would that happen if, there's, if they went to install them? No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't do it if if okay. it couldn't be done before the opening of the pool season. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're not gonna. You know, it's already a, you know only three months. Summer, but so. but the the uh, but that would even though the installation may wait, the buildings could be built over the summertime and and or started absolutely when that, they have time. That would. Oh yeah. That that those parts. Having time for the service department is key, and fitting it into yeah. the schedule is tough. So the more time they have, the better. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we don't, the, the, especially over by the, the waiting pool, I mean, the pool doesn't open until noon any day. So, I mean, they, guys could, in theory, you know, now there's lessons, but that's in the big pool. But they could be working over on that part, you know. So we wouldn't want them doing major construction throughout the day when people are trying to enjoy being at the, at the pool in the, you know, summer. So, but, yeah, they could work, um, you know, till noon every day, uh -huh. you know, until it gets, so that part of it would be done, but. I'm but sure they have other things to do the rest of the day. We have to some, place some, some roofs. Yeah, on it's not like our guys don't have a lot to do. So, considering with all the moving parts and the the timeliness, I would have no problem just doing a first reading. Um, but I mean, if there's a chance to get that done before there's, there's a chance full season, I mean, why not give the opportunity? You know, that's kind of how I feel, and I mean. Passing it tonight would also allow the service department to. There's not a ton. There's not a. Well, this is just the engineering. There's not a ton of contractors or engineering. Like this is more of a specialized type of engineering design than than a road project or you know a foundation. You know, this is. There's not a ton of companies that do this right. specific. So this is just so Brandsire can get the plans done. You can go to bid, and then at the bidding, that's where we we get with the contractor, and, and they'll be like. At, it would be at that point, you know, when the project is awarded, the contractor would be like, "It's a, there's no way we, you know, because what is it, February 1, even if it's approved tonight, by the time we get plans done, you know, to go to bid early March at the earliest, probably, because you got to advertise a bid and give time for those to be turned in, no then awarding it. I mean, it probably wouldn't be awarded at the earliest till the end of March, if we, you know, and then... 
that would leave two months total. So it most, you know, it'd be great, but I think that's very, you know, I don't want anybody here to think like, oh, it just, Right. Just knowing the times of doing the pro the steps, you know, and with the lead time, because because Brand Center will they're not going to order the, uh, the filter. The the company that's going to install it's the one that's so they're not going to do that until project's awarded. So, you know, us doing this doesn't say hey we're going to order the filter with this ordinance. This is just that this part is just of it. to get the engineering and drawings in. But I mean, yeah, it doesn't seem very controversial as far right. as, right, right, right. you know, whether we do it now or two or four weeks from now, it's not, I'm not ambitious that it could get done by June 1st. Um, that would be pretty quick for a contractor, you know, to be awarded and have two months to do it. And that would be if they don't have anything on their schedule, you know, those kind of things too, so. All right, do I have a motion to suspend or? If not, it'll be just a first reading. All right, it's first reading on that one. Move on to miscellaneous business. Anybody have any miscellaneous business? All right. Motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn by Mrs. Kroger. Second. Second by Mr. Boehner. We are adjourned. And we lost me a